uh, managed to win Rookie of the Year that year, which is a big deal because it's the only thing you get one shot at doing. Yeah. Um, got a driver from great teams, Newman Haas, Andretti Autosport, Schmidt-Peterson, which is now McLaren. Mm-hmm. Um, won a handful of races, uh, six races, a couple podiums at my hometown race in Toronto, which is always cool. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, pole at the Indianapolis 500 for the 100th running back in 2016 is another, another big highlight. And then hung up the helmet at the end of 21 and uh, picked up a microphone instead. So here we are. Hey everyone, welcome to the Track Limits Podcast. We are presented by Formula Addict. We're here in St. Petersburg in Florida for the first IndyCar race of the season. Very, very exciting. I'm your host, Swish. I'm here with Henny and Mikey. Today we're here with one of the most recognizable faces in the Indy circuit, both as a racer and a commentator. (laughs) Welcome, James Hinchcliffe. Welcome. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate you having me. Of course. Thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. How are you doing, though? So hey, first race of the season, man. I'm 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 jazzed. I'm jazzed. Let's go. I'm, I, we always wait for this one, right? Everyone's so excited to get here. It's such a good event, anyway. Yep. Uh, here in St. Pete. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It's a, yeah. It was actually funny because we went the wrong way yeah. when we were coming here, and we just saw we went the through all the thing. track or like where all the cars were parked. We're like, oh my god, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 Behind the scenes, yeah. Yeah. mega access. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What if we did the interview here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like right outside. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, yeah. throughout the course of kind of the next 30, 40 minutes, we're gonna go through three parts this q1 all the questions related to racing um this q2 which is a little bit more personal questions trying to get to know you as a professional and then finally is the rapid fire yeah. yes yeah purple Very sectors excited. only all right. that's, yeah. a, that's right, all we're right, allowed right, yeah, yeah. we are like, going to be I like the format yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah guaranteed to get into q3 exactly we had some guests you know yeah, they were like on a, that border after q1 it's like yeah. we're done we're done all right well let's get right into it q1 first question we ask every guest for in about 30 seconds can you summarize your career for us i know it might be tough but Ooh. some of the core accomplishments you're proud about in 30 seconds mm-hmm. okay well um you know everything before indycar doesn't really matter so <laughs> debuted in indycar in 2011 uh managed to win rookie of the year that year which is a big deal because it's the only thing you get one shot at doing yep um got a driver some great teams newman haas andretti autosport schmidt peterson which is now mclaren um, won a handful of races, uh, six races, a couple podiums at my hometown race Woo! in Toronto, which is Amazing. always cool. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, pole at the Indianapolis 500 for the 100th running back in 2016 is another another big highlight. And then hung up the helmet at the end of 21 and uh, picked up a microphone instead. So here huh. we are. Look at that. <laughs> and then what does the day-to-day life for you now look like? It depends on the day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what, what time of year are we talking? Yeah. If it's, you know, in January, it's yeah. pretty relaxed. I'm no. not going to lie to you. But right. uh, no, once we get into the season, it's, um, you know, if we're in a race week, you know, we have a uh, big production, pre-production meeting day on Tuesdays. It's, um, you know, Zoom calls with people from NBC, people from IndyCar, things like that, sort of preparing. You're going through last year's races. You know, Wednesdays, I'll spend time going through old videos, look through old races. Then Thursday, you normally travel to the races. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, you're at the track doing your thing. And uh, we, we broadcast every session uh, on, on Peacock through to Sunday. And then Sunday, obviously, on, uh, on NBC, most of the races. Um, which is pretty cool. Had everything up on network. And yeah, so it's, it's big. Then you get home, you fly home Monday and, you know, Tuesday, your production meeting starts for the next week. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty full on. And I filled my off weekends with doing some other, other commentary. Now I do some IMSA races. I do some F1 stuff now. Congrats on that. We just heard that. I appreciate it. So it's, yeah, going to be a busy summer. Yeah. 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 And then, I mean, this was, by the way, one of the most requested interviews. Oh, really? I'll tell you this. A couple of my friends in Toronto, they're obsessed with Indy and they love you. Oh, they they love you because I think a lot of the commentary also comes from a racer's point of view, right? Which is really cool to see when it you know when you take a look at passion and i think you've now been in the sport for for over a decade yeah what keeps you passionate about motorsport i i don't know why you wouldn't be passionate yeah. about motorsport. <laughs> I, I, that's you know i don't know yeah. Yeah, yeah it's uh it's just to me it's it's such a unique sport um that that mastery of man and machine you know that balancing uh act uh keeping something on the edge of 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 adhesion of grip of control i guess in a lot of ways and it's taking this inanimate object in a race car and kind of breathing life into it and working together towards something i imagine it's what pilots feel like you know that are flying on fighter pilots things like that Mm -hmm. astronauts i don't know maybe (laughs) probably making us look a little cooler than we are (laughs) but i always said i've got a buddy who's who's an astronaut and i always said he's the only guy that could argue that he had a cooler Cooler job job than you so i really really looked up to this guy yeah um but yeah i mean it's it's just it's such an easy sport to fall in love with and i meet 
a lot of people that are kind of new to it because it's not the most prevalent sport in North America, right? But I meet people that either watch a race or especially come to a track for the first time and they leave lifelong fans. Yep. When you see it in person, it, it's just tough to be. It, that, that was us in yeah. Montreal Grand Prix last year. There you go. Yeah. This is why we started the podcast. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally, we came out of that and we we're like, we need to do this. We, yeah. do, yeah, we love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And then when it comes to this season in particular, what are you looking forward to the most now? You know, you've had a bit of commentary experience. You're obviously doing not just indie but F1 as well. What are some of the things you're like really looking forward to checking off the bucket list? Well, I mean, last year was such a baptism of fire. You know, I, I got to do all these cool things, just move up to the booth in the first place. That's a that's a big transition, you know, for any athlete, any driver, any whatever. When you hang up the helmet, hang up the skates, hang up the whatever, and uh, and move into something else, it's always a little bit nerve wracking, a little bit daunting. But the group at NBC are just awesome, man. They made it so easy for me. You know, Diff and T Bell up in the booth with me are, are just the best. And um, I feel so, a lot more comfortable coming into this season with a year under my belt than I did 12 months ago. And, uh, you know, I've, I've already called an Indy 500, I've called two Rolex 24s now, I've done all this cool stuff already. I'm just so lucky to get to do it at all, you know? And so um, I'm just excited for another awesome season of IndyCar racing. You know, it, it, it's the hardest championship to predict. Hmm. You know, it's, it's, you can sit here and we could probably all guess within one or two spots who's going to be one, two, three in the F1 championship this yeah. year. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, that's course. just, that's yeah, just yeah, realistic. Yeah. It's just reality, yeah. right? I couldn't give you the top 10 in any sort of you know, logical order. I can mm. probably tell you who the top 10 are going to be, plus or minus one, yeah. but no chance at an order. Right. 2021 champion Alex Pillow, no one saw that coming. 2022 didn't win a, a race till the last race of the season. Yeah. Like it's just, it's so competitive. It's so unpredictable. And that's what I love about this series. So that's what I'm looking forward yeah. to this year. It's just and, a, lot, a lot of it. And, racing. you know, talking about the unpredictability of the sport, what was your career like in indie series? Like, what did you find challenging and how did you even overcome those challenges? in your career uh, everything about indycar racing is yeah. challenging that's, that's the problem you know you have to be good at so many different disciplines yeah. right just just to be a good racing driver you have to be good at all the things racing drivers have to be good at yeah. but most other series race on one general type of circuit uh when you go from a road circuit to a street circuit to a super speedway to a short oval the skill set required for each of those is so different and learning how to kind of master each one of those is so so difficult and i think that's why when i look at who the champion is at the end of a season in indycar I mean, you can't help but just be super impressed with that effort because you've got to be consistently good week in week out over these four different disciplines that we have over an entire season and it's not just you obviously it's your whole team and everything yep. that's that's involved Big in that effort. so it's you know that's a big learning process i think when you first get to this level is knowing hey look it's not just one person behind the wheel right you have this team of probably 20 people just on your car never mind if you're in a multi car team and you have to really learn how to kind of quarterback that group and and get everybody working together on the same page execute week in and week out on Sundays and it's it's one of the most difficult things to do and what, what was your favorite win from your whole career honestly probably this one here yeah. in St. Mm -hmm. Pete um, mm -hmm. is the first one you never forget your first oh, yeah. <laughs> you know it's it's it was just such a it was such a like vindication a justification for all the hard work all the tears all the heartache all the up and down the sacrifice everything that went into it not just for me but for my whole family everybody that supported me and and my my family was was all there that day. I got to you know be in victory lane with my parents, and wow, that's amazing. it was just it was such a special moment, man. And and you know we won a couple races after that, but for me that one always sort of stood out. I think it would have taken Toronto or the Indy 500 to yeah. knock oh, St. Pete off the yeah, top. Yeah, yeah. Long Beach is a close second because that's like the race everybody wants to win outside right. of Indy. You right, know, dude. Long Beach is super special, and that one was special. But that first one is always extra cool. Amazing. Um, indie drivers, like you're all known for like your mental and physical toughness. How did you prepare in your off season just to handle, like you just talked about the pressure that's involved? Yeah, the, the, the pressure is a huge part of it. You know, this is such a mental game, mm. right? When you're when you're dealing in in hundreds and thousands of a second, you have to be absolutely zoned in at all times, and unlike most other sports, you don't get to practice this in the off season, right? If you play hockey or soccer or football, like whatever, you if you, there's a skill that you're lacking at and you want to perfect, you can go spend time on that quarter in that rink mm -hmm. or whatever you want to do on that field. We just don't get to do that in racing. So one of the hardest challenges is like being able to just turn it on on a race weekend push yourself, try to improve, but also in a controlled enough way that you don't hit the wall because if you lose track time on a race weekend, that sucks. You know, mm. you're, you're going to be back in qualifying and something goes wrong qualifying, you're back in the race. It's just such a snowball effect. So I think one of it, one of the big challenges is knowing how to just turn that on immediately, uh, but then also being able to just throw mistakes away and forget they ever happened. Gotcha. You, you don't have time to dwell on anything and, and let it sort of fester and like, all right, I'm going to really dive into what happened. No, 
It's gone. It already happened. You can't you change it on. now. Move on to the next thing. And that even happens within a race. You make a mistake. Somebody cuts you off. Somebody, you know, whatever. doesn't matter. As soon as it's happened, it's over. And you have to be really good at sort of compartmentalizing those emotions and just throwing them away. I had good days at it. Yeah. I have bad days. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. There's probably yeah. some radio footage out yeah, there yeah, yeah, yeah. for my mother to hear. Yeah, yeah, it was just yeah. beep, beep, beep. But it, yeah, but it's just it's such an emotional thing, yeah. right? That's why sport just brings that out in people. It's just so competitive. But yeah, it's massively challenging in that sense. Is it hard then to manage your performance when you're like it's a team sport? You have you have a teammate, you have team expectations, but then you have your expectations. Is that hard to manage or? Is it, it just it, open communication with everyone? It can be. It really can be. And I think ultimately every driver is going to put more pressure and expectation on themselves, A, than anyone externally ever could. So like the whole out, you know, outsider external pressure thing, I think is a little bit of a misnomer for a lot of drivers because we're all just so competitive. Mm. There's no news article or sponsor or whatever that can put more pressure on me that I'm going to put on myself anyway. And then also I think drivers tend to try to at least I did, you know, we didn't try to just inadvertently would take more responsibility, right? Because you are the one in the car, you're the sort of public facing figure of the team. It could be someone else's fault or a mistake that you didn't necessarily do, but it, you would still, you would still kind of internalize it a little bit. It, it was tough to separate that stuff a bit. And that was one thing that I had to learn was when there was a bad result, that I knew really wasn't my doing. I had to be the driver and be like, wasn't my fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when I knew I did everything I, I had to do or could do and something happened to me, some hand I was dealt, limited our result to X, I had to know that I could walk away from that race and I personally could feel good yeah. about what I did and mm -hmm. the job that I did and that the result wasn't a reflection of my efforts, my preparation, my execution, because sometimes it would, right? It used to and it, it would just not, you'd be like, no, wait, I shouldn't do anything different next week because I didn't do anything that made that happen that way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you would eat away at you otherwise. It, for sure. And, and, it, and it does. And again, I've, I've been through the whole cycle of it. I've worked with mental coaches to help. And I think a lot of drivers have because it's a huge part of it. Mm. And then in 2015, I think, obviously, this was something that you've talked before about, but I want to kind of talk about, obviously, the practice session, Indy 500, suspension failure, very fatal accident. I mean, what were some of the moments leading up to that? Like, was it a blur for you? Like, we talked to drivers that have had crashes, and sometimes they're like, it was the longest time of my life, and there's sometimes where it's like, it just happened so quickly, and I couldn't actually process it. Yeah, I yeah. don't remember it. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's really easy. I was very concussed mm -hmm. in the accident, uh, which I'm super thankful for because mm -hmm. it was a pretty unpleasant experience from mm -hmm. what the medical team tells me, um, you know, removing a three foot steel rod from my body and, you know, putting me in an ambulance as I'm bleeding to death on the racetrack. Um, so I, I, I can't answer that. I, I remember crossing the start finish line at the beginning of that lap. I was following Montoya. Mm -hmm. Everything was good blink of an eye I'm laying on my back staring up bright lights I got a tube down my throat I'm in a neck brace and a lot of really concerned people standing around me and so uh, I have to kind of put the dots together like all right something something's happened. gone wrong oh, here yeah. this yeah. is not where I should be yeah but uh but yeah for me I I, I don't know and I'm very thankful for that right. and <laughs> how do you come back from yeah, that what was that road yeah. to recovery like I think because I don't know uh you know what the pain was like on yeah. that day in that mm. moment um I have no recollection of the accident of the extraction sure I remember the four months of recovery yeah. and a lot of that sucked. Don't get me wrong. Mm. But what I did was there were two factors that really helped. First was the fact that it was a mechanical failure that caused the accident. Right. So again, it wasn't something that I did wrong. Yeah. So I didn't have to question my skill, my decision-making. It wasn't something that put me in that position, complete bad luck fluke thing. Cool. So I can let that go one in a million thing. And then the other thing was I didn't remember the immediate aftermath and the consequence of that accident. Yeah. So in my mind, when I was you know, in the hospital and recovering, I just associated everything I was going through with a car accident. In my mind, I just got into a car accident, like happens every day. I didn't associate it with the race car. I didn't associate it with the racetrack. So as soon as I had the opportunity to get back in the car, get back on the track, I was ready to go. And you came back and you got pulled. Right? A year later. Yeah. A year later. That's insane. Back to the How same track. And yeah, that was a cool moment. Yeah. That was a really cool moment just because of everything and you know, is basically a year on from the accident. A lot of people coming into the month that year at Indy were like, man, how's it going to be for him? Like, is he going to be able to drive there? What's going to be like? And you got to remember like that doesn't just happen to one person, right? A race team's a family. And so like they lost a brother there for the rest of that season. And those guys all went through it with me in a lot of ways. And a lot of those same people were on my car the next year. And so to show up to Indy hundredth running of the race, like milestone event a year after that, you know, situation, 
and as a group to, to build the fastest car at the speedway, to drive it faster. And like that is just, it's such an accomplishment. It's, it's such a point of pride for a race team when we go to the 500, it's just so special. Yeah. And to do it then, you know, in the manner, I mean, it was like, it was like movie script stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we'd only won the race, it would have been like, yeah. it, would've, yeah. it would've been an HBO show by now, but. I stopped watching, don't worry. Yeah. Off, <laughs> like, you won, you won. Yeah. But it shows your mental toughness you to be able to come back, yeah. perform, and actually push the car to the limits again. So that's that's outstanding. Kudos. No, I appreciate yeah. it. I appreciate it. And, and to talk even about safety, do you think that Indy has the appropriate safety, like, you know, uh, in the sport, or do you think they need to do more? Honestly, I think IndyCar has been one of the leading series globally when it comes to driver safety. Um, some of the things that were developed here and really pioneered over here, or at least accepted over here, things like the Hans device happened here first, safer barriers were developed in IndyCar, uh, the amount of work that we've done with headrests around foam, um, any intrusion things into the car, that was also partly something that I was <laughs> indirectly responsible for. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, obviously the, the aero screen, you know, I know the halo is now kind of globally the standard. Um, and a lot of the, the aero screen has copped a lot of flack from, from different corners of our universe and also other, you know, racing groups. But, uh, I really do think it's, it is a good product. I think it is the future. Mm -hmm. I really do think eventually all open wheel cars will end up with some solution more similar to that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they're just, they're kind of always thinking, even this year, we have a, a new attenuator on the back of the car, something yeah. that worked fine, but hey, we can make it better. And we've actually adjusted the headrest this year based on an accident that happened in Texas last year. So they're always thinking, they're always evolving. And that's that's what I love about it. You got to keep pushing the sport. It's the only way you can is to constantly keep on top of it. It's never going to be 100% safe. No. You know that, right? And so everything we can do to make it that little bit better, I think is just better for everyone. I mean, the safety team, that's something that IndyCar really kind of pioneered. And man, I mean, that quite literally saved my life. Yep. Not yeah. just for the sake of this conversation or sounding dramatic. Yeah. Without that, any other series, that same accident happens, I don't make it. Yeah. Just the way that that... that program is built and and the protocols they have so yeah indycar's in a really good spot in that sense but still always pushing yeah what uh what inspired you to pick up the mic like you're out here with us today <laughs> <laughs> you know what man i i got this really f interesting weird opportunity to kind of try a little bit of commentary when i was 19 i was doing what was on the atlantic series which is the feeder series to what was the champ car series back in the day and there was sort of two broadcasts. There was the broadcast that everybody saw here. It was on ESPN or ABC or whatever it was. And that's what you saw if you were in Canada or the US. Then there was this international broadcast that was kind of like the redheaded stepchild of the TV world mm -hmm. in, that, in, in those times. And it was one guy did it by himself. There was like one producer and we, they took the feed from the domestic feed, but it was the international feed and it blasted out to 170 countries. Wow. Basically, unless you were in Canada, US or Mexico, you got this other feed that they almost didn't really care about because that's not where most of the audience <laughs> yeah. is, understandably. So this guy would do it by himself, and he, he was a friend of mine, Jeremy Shaw, and he would invite people into the booth to like come do a 10-minute segment, 15-minute segment, something like that. And after one of my races, you know, we would race Sunday morning before the before the big cars. I was like, why don't you come come by the booth today for the start of the race and stay for 10 minutes, whatever? I'm like, yeah, cool. So I went and did it, and you know, get there, put the headset on, Proust comes on. I was like, all right, we're live to 170 countries. Don't swear. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the first thing you think is. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so we did it to the first commercial break, and it was a lot of fun. It was just me and my buddy just chatting about racing, which I would do any day. You do normally yeah. anyways, yeah. Right. yeah. And, uh, and then so we get the commercial, and he looks at me, he goes, do you want to stay for another one? I said, yeah, sure, why not? Mm. So I finished the race. And at the end of the race, every commercial, he's like, you want to, to keep going? Want to keep going? <laughs> so I stayed for the whole time. And at the end of it, he goes, what are you doing next week? And I just, every weekend for the rest of the season, when I got done with my race, I'd get changed, I'd run up to the booth, and I would do these international broadcasts for Jam Car with Jeremy Shaw. No experience, no training, no right to be there whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was such a good teacher and such a cool guy to be around. And like I said, just talking about racing, which is like, I would do that for free. free yeah. No, I won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey. But so then I was like, man, I, I think this is a this is a direction I want to look at when I stop driving. It's, it's cliche, right? Like athlete retires and goes up in the booth, but like that was really what kind of put that in my mind. And so I've always kind of had it at the back there. Wow. Was there someone's career though that you were trying to also emulate? Maybe was there like somebody that you were like, oh, that transition worked really well for them? Not specifically, no, no. I mean, I know a bunch of guys have done it. I mean, Scott Goodyear was sort of doing it at the time uh, in the IndyCar side of things. Obviously, Brundle did it and is still doing it in the, in the F1 side. Rosberg's done it. DC's 
you know, flirts with it and uh, I'll get to work with him a bit. Eddie Cheever did it over here. I mean, Unser did it, you know, Bobby was part. So it's, it's, there's always kind of been a driver, PT, Townsend Bell, like it's yep. always kind of been part of it. Yep. So there wasn't necessarily one guy that had done it that I was trying to emulate, but I just knew it was something that happens. Mm -hmm. And I had had this cool opportunity to try it when I was young. So I thought I would like it and so far so good. Wow. Oh, so, so that's how the tradition all happened. Just from, from being 19 to, to start doing it like that. Yeah, pretty much. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I completely lost my train of thought. Sorry, to go back, you were recently named presenter of F1, co-presenter. Yes, yeah. Uh, are you looking forward to that challenge? Yeah, very much so, very much so. I got the call last year to uh, to do three of the last four races just to kind of uh, try something different. You know, I wasn't expecting that call, but yeah. they reached out and um, they wanted to try something that was, a, frankly, just a little less British, you know, just pulling one in person. Because, <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, you pick up the phone like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because I have a British passport. Yeah, yeah. My dad's from England, but like, so that was like, the, that was like their entry level. It's like, well, he's not British, but he is but kind of British. Kind of, okay, yeah. okay. He's one of us. He's from Canada. Queen's yeah. on the money, so yeah. we'll, we'll take him. Oh, and, uh, and so yeah, it, was, it was awesome. And I've known Will Buxton a little bit just from his work with F1 and NBC, and he came, he's been to a couple IndyCar races over the years, so I've known Will, and... Um, to get to work over there. Ben Edwards, who was the, the lead commentator last year on F1 TV, uh, him and I worked together when I raced A1GP. Wow. Um, and so I knew I knew a couple of the people yeah. and then got to go over there and, man, had an absolute blast. Yeah. Like, a really fun group to work with. Um, you know, I've, I've followed F1 religiously my whole life. I mean, I've been a huge fan of anything motorsport. So, obviously, I, I uh, was happy to kind of try something different. Yeah. And, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And, yeah, they, I guess it went well. They're having me back for yeah, a couple yeah, races. Because so. yeah. you did Austin, right? You yes. covered Austin, yeah. yes. And I was, I remember, did you do practice? Yeah, I did. Yes. We do every session. And I was so like, it's busy, I, yeah. at that time, it, like, it, it doesn't show your name or anything. Right. So I was like, that guy knows what he's talking <laughs> about. <laughs> well, it's funny, man, because in Austin, especially, because that was my first one, I really yeah. had imposter syndrome a little bit because I've never driven those cars, mm. right? And so, like, I, I and mean, you just know what people on the internet are like, oh, right? Yeah. So I'm like, oh, this, I, yeah. I had to be really careful about what I said and how yeah. I said it. So it, you know, and then luckily, that weekend was when Alex Polo was doing FP1 for McLaren. Yeah. So I also know Alex really well, and Pato had just done a test day and whatever. And so as soon as he got off the track, I just sat him down. I was like, tell yeah. me everything. Yeah. 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 When this happens, what do you do? When you see this, what does that mean? I'm just like ripping off all these questions. So at least if something happens, yeah. I might kind of know yeah. what's yeah. actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. Not just, you know, 94% of it is the same. It's yeah. just motorsports, right? right? But there right. are definitely some unique things between F1 or IndyCar or whatever. Mm. And so that's what I was just trying to pick his brain on. No, it was fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Well, that wraps up Q1. Yeah. What's the verdict, Henny? What are we feeling here? A green? Green. Green? Green, green No purple? That's ah, too, that's too soon, Just right? too soon. Yeah. Damn, not me, man. Yeah. I have to say it. But they're, they're strict, so we'll All see right. if you can get a purple in Q2. I'll try to my game. Stay tuned, guys. Q2's coming up. Hey, guys. Hope you're enjoying this episode. We want to take a bit of time to give a big shout-out to one of our partners, AG1. And AG1, by the way, has a ton of health benefits that we want to unpack very quickly. Yeah, I honestly think AG1 is one of the best products out there. The fact that we're always on the go, mm. even with this podcast, we're constantly traveling. AG1 is so easy to use. One little scoop into a bottle of water, shake it up in your morning, drink, and it's all there. 75 probiotics, minerals. 75? 75. Everything you need in one little scoop. And it's gluten-free, yep. dairy-free. And allergy-free. Yeah. How can it get better than that? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Okay. I haven't been using AG1 for as long as you, Henny. Mm -hmm. I've been using it maybe for now two, three weeks. I have actually seen, as a person that has digestion issues, yeah. I've been able to break down my food way better. That's crazy. And it's no surprise. AG1 has digestive enzymes, yep. the probiotics you mentioned. It helps with digestion. Yep. Not only that, because I'm digesting my food properly... <laughs> I'm also sleeping better. Yes. And because I'm sleeping better, I'm actually seeing my skin. Mm. It's smoother. It's glowing. Glowing, less acne, less yep. heat rashes. Yep. Overall, loving my experience with AG1. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 now and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash track limits. That is drinkag1.com slash track limits. Hey guys, welcome back to the Track Limits Podcast. We're here with Hinch. Also heard nicknames, by the way. Oh no. Hinch huh. is a nickname. Hinchtown, we heard, is also a nickname. Okay. Yeah. 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 Where, where did that tracks. come about? So that was that was like my um that was my website, right? 
so when you're, you know, I was a young driver way back when, <laughs> and the, this thing called the internet was yeah. really starting to pop <laughs> out. Right? Okay. And so you had to have a website, right? right? And so everyone was, you know, driversfirstandlastname.com, driverfirstandlastnameracing.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even even F1 guys, NASCAR, IndyCar, it was very new. Like website, personal websites were very new. And so like I sat with this guy and we were like, all right, we got to come up with an idea for a website. Let's look at all these websites. We looked at them all, all the top drivers, and we came to two conclusions. They were all exactly the same, and they all sucked. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, let's just do something totally different. Yeah. And so it. we created this, like, internet town, this, like, mythical town that I was the self-proclaimed mayor of. <laughs> so I became the mayor of Hingetown, and Hingetown.com oh was my website. Let's Hingetown go. was all my social media handles mm-hmm. when that started becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, people just call me Hingetown or call me the mayor. You know, wow, it's that's just, class. It's just sort of, it caught on. Yeah. Like, we didn't really know yeah. what we were doing. I mean, it was a long time Is ago. Is the website still but, live? Yeah, it's still still live. We got to oh revamp it now and yeah. kind of gear it more towards the TV stuff. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, all my all my social handles are Hingetown. It's wow. just kind of a video game. We're yeah, yeah, yeah. Video game, you know? You literally, you like the metaverse. Be like, yeah, I created this. Yeah, I'm the mayor. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Well, let's get into Q2. And Q2, again, we want to go more into personal questions, understanding you the professional professional why don't you just walk us back all the way when did you first remember hey i actually want to make motorsports a career like did you have any other career path that you were going down and then you were like oh maybe this one no 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 i I didn't have time for that i was too focused on on racing and i mean what's funny is when i I, so i started racing at nine i got a go-kart that's you know and i'd been a fan long before that my first memories of life were watching races with dad you know the indy car came to toronto i'm from just outside the city so I think I went to the second ever race in Toronto and I've been to everyone since. And so I just, I just had a passion for it. Dad had a passion for it. I got an older brother, older sister, neither one of them cared. The third time was a charm. He got his race <laughs> fan, like, yes. you know, third kid, yeah. <laughs> and so I ended up getting a go-kart for my ninth birthday and it was really just something fun to do with dad. It was just a hobby. At nine, and I'm like, that's not a real job, mm-hmm. you know. But then at about 14, you know, you moved up the ranks as you get older and whatever and every time I moved up I seemed to do better and I enjoyed it more and I just kind of got more into it and so yeah at about 14 someone came to us like hey you should start thinking about this you know a little more seriously race in the karting league where it's all the young drivers that are trying to be professionals and see how it how it goes Mm -hmm. so started doing that at 14 ended up uh, moving into cars at 16 got a scholarship from BMW to race the Formula BMW championship back when that was a thing uh, when I was 17 and just kind of took off from there. Did you ever kart at Goodwood, by the way? It's about my home track. Oh, oh we did it last summer. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I grew yeah. up at Goodwood and it's it's now owned and operated by brothers who I used to race against, the DeLeos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So Marco, he's my age or age enough that we always raced together and then Dan was a couple years older but yeah, yeah I, I, I that's that's my home that's yeah. where I started we did, yeah we did the card series and yeah. he just kept whooping our yeah. asses yeah. So so much fun. Yeah. 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 Really good. Yeah. yeah they're doing it really they well do organized yeah. especially for like the drive uh, what's it called arrive to arrive drive, drive. drive. especially yeah. for us we just wanted to get into it yeah. no gear and it's perfect yeah. Yeah. it was yeah. fantastic where are you guys based in Toronto. Toronto. Oh, Toronto. Everyone, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amazing. That's why we're so excited. It's like mm, fellow yeah. Canadians yeah, united. Yeah, you know, it's incredible. Yeah. And then when it comes to your career, I mean, you mentioned also in Q1, there were times where you were like sitting down and being like, okay, a mistake was made. But again, you know, it's hard to dissociate. But there were times obviously where the team might have made a mistake. When you make a mistake, and I bet you've made a ton, right? Just like any For other sure. professional. Mm-hmm. How do you bounce back? What is your regimen to be like, you know what? Let's get over it, but learn from it at, at the same time. Well, and that's just it. I think the first thing is you try to establish what can I learn from this? You know, if I were to do it over again, what would I have done differently? And that's uh, that kind of analytical approach is that's how I go through. That's my life. It's my personality, right? Like there are some drivers that are just like the pure natural feel kind of people. There are the slightly more analytical people. I'm in the second camp. Uh, I love pouring over data. I love looking, learning, applying that on the racetrack. And so I would take that same sort of approach. Like, okay, here's what happened. If I were to find myself in this situation again, what would I do differently? What do I think that outcome would be? And then you just try to program it into your head because you don't have time to think out there, right? Most of these situations are so just muscle muscle memory and reflex. And so it really is just a you know a, a process of trying to get these these ideas sort of just just drilled into your brain that hey, if I find myself in this situation, this is how I'm going to react to it. And then you just, you got to let the disappointment just roll off your back because yeah. <laughs> it can it can eat away at you like yeah. you said. And and in terms of traveling, I know you guys travel even as a racer and now as a presenter. 
how do you deal with that balance of just you know constantly being like oh i'm on a flight next week and yeah. then it's another half across the world yeah. how do you guys deal with that well look i mean it i really don't want to i would have complained a, a lot more about yeah. this before yeah. i worked with anybody in the f1 world yeah. because <laughs> that schedule is actually messed. Yeah, you're like here and then there and it then shouldn't then. be yeah. alive it should yeah. be illegal it should be like a human rights violation yeah. and they're increasing yeah. the races to to, now too it's yeah. madness it's absolutely yeah. mad but that's a totally that's an yeah. entire different podcast yeah, 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 yeah. um so it, it is a huge challenge. Uh, we're lucky that we don't have a, a massive swing in time zones. You know, oh, that's three true. hours. That's the, that's the most you're going to have. Um, but what you know, what a lot of drivers do is they have a, a motorhome, a bus, right, that goes to all the races. And so at least when you get there, you have something that's familiar. You have a bed, you know. You have all the stuff you need. Some creature comforts that can just help you stay in that mode, right? And so that was all part of like the mental preparation as well. You knew that when I went to bed in that, in this bed, I was waking up the next morning to drive a race car mm. and it, it starts that it starts 12 hours before you ever get in the car. And, and so that's a big part of it. I think is just having that sort of familiar space at the track. Um, you know, if you have to get out somewhere a little bit early, if you want to adjust to the time zones, you know, that's very popular. You do there, go there, do a day or two of training, just kind of get the body used to it. Um, you know, we used to race in Mexico city, high elevation. You'd want to go you know, a little bit earlier and, you know, get your, adjust to it. right. So things like that. But I think, um, uh, I think that procedure of having that same spot to go to was, was a big part of it. And do you see indie cars ever expanding into other parts of the world? I hope so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we Is used to. Is there talks about it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's a topic that comes up a lot because we used to race all over. I mean, we used to race in Japan. We used to mm. race in Australia and Brazil and yeah. the UK and, and other parts of Europe. And um, well, we would love to, man. I mean, we've, we've got the one race in Canada, obviously. Yeah. I'd love another one at least in Canada. Yeah. Vancouver. Um, <laughs> Vancouver. Oh, that, that one was so good back in the day, but I don't think we can do that one anymore. Yeah. I mean, Montreal would be great. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful that's track. Just yeah, we already there. have it. We yeah. have a city that's <laughs> mad about motorsports. Let's... What, yeah. are we, what are we doing, guys? Yeah, yeah. come on. Yeah, yeah. Can we Maybe. make that happen? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you've got a very successful, popular Mexican driver. Mm -hmm. Well, a bunch of nice tracks in Mexico, but love to go there. Um, but yeah, there, there are some talks of, of going other places. I think I think it was important. Look, IndyCar went through a rough patch, right? Like after the merge, 2008, like everything sucked and yeah. it was just tough. It's, it's taken a bit to get there. It's in a good spot. Everything's, you know, trending upwards. All the trajectories are going the right way. Now I think it's a good time to really start looking at that, expanding. I think motorsports globally is getting more popular, and so that's going to open up, I, ho I hope, some opportunities for, you know, other series, not there. just the one that goes everywhere. <laughs> um, so, yeah, hopefully that's that's something on the horizon. The documentaries like um, like Netflix did and all that, they're really pushing the – at least pushing it to the fans out there to get more viewership. Um, from a driver now going to a broadcaster, how are you doing your research preparation? Is it easier because you know the tracks, you know the drivers? Or like, are you calling the engineers to get all the, the latest and greatest? It's both, yeah. honestly. Um, yeah, I'm lucky. I've got a lot of great relationships in the paddock, right? Whether it's with drivers, mechanics, engineers, whatever. So I have a natural sort of relationship with a lot of the, the guys I raced against. I talked to them. I talked to a bunch of them on a regular basis anyway. So some of that stuff you just sort of pick up through osmosis, being around and whatever. Then on a race weekend itself, there's a couple engineers that I worked with over the past that I'll make sure I hit up with specific questions about like, all right, what are we looking at for fuel mileage this weekend? Like, what are the windows? What's changed? What hasn't? Um, you know, you'll get the the graphs with all the top speeds for the different straightaways. So that way, when you're doing the commentating stuff, you know, like, yeah, hey, he's heading into this corner at this yeah. many miles yeah. an hour. And, and you're right. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could eyeball it and probably come within 10, you know, plus or minus. But like, I'd rather have the actual information. So it's kind of a combination of all those things. Good. Yeah. And um, in, in, in terms of just even just, you know, understanding the data that like what they give you, how do you translate that into making it, you know, just a presenting right. like, to, to, so that people can understand it? Right. It's, it's funny, man. So I always used to really love meeting people that knew very little about racing yep. because within a 10 minute conversation, you, t you would teach them something that they didn't know. And like, that's really cool. Yeah. I didn't know if I'd known that, I'd be paying. I'm going to pay attention next exactly. time. Or I'm going to watch out for that next yeah. time. It makes the race itself more exciting. Mm -hmm. And so I must have just kind of naturally had practice having those types of conversations yeah. with people because now that's essentially my role in in the commentary box, right? Is taking what's happening on track from the driver's standpoint, but making it understandable to people who've never done what these drivers are doing. Mm -hmm. And and it's yeah, it's it's trying to think about relating it to everyday things that anyone has experienced or everyone has experienced, um, which can be more challenging, more challenging in certain situations than others. But that's basically the, the what you got to do is, is 
there's no kind of rhyme or reason for how to do it. I just, I don't know. I just start talking and it, yeah. Yeah, it, it just works, works. Out. <laughs> it works yeah. out pretty well. And when you prepare, yeah. do you, however, like star certain things that are like, oh, this might be a little bit too complicated, too technical. Like how do you balance that need for like engaging and entertaining viewers by also providing like insightful nuggets? For sure. You know? It's, that's tough because yeah. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of the sport. I'm a nerd. Like I'm a yeah. tech guy. Like, I love all the intricacies of everything, whether it's the car itself, the strategies, whatever big stats guy like we get a big stats page before each uh each race it's probably 12 15 pages long you read all of it i'll read the whole thing <laughs> yeah. all, the, all the teams all the drivers all the teams all the drivers all the stats on the track on the race previous races the, the previous like everything that's done in the season so far like everything um and I, and I read it through i make my own notes and you know i have that all with me up up in the booth just in case i need to reference anything um but um sorry i i, I was going something balancing like, that. like right right, right. Yeah. So a great example is, you know, we did the Rolex 24 this year and the new GTP cars came out, massively complicated machines, all this new battery hybrid technology, whatever. And we spent hours and hours and hours talking to team owners and people from whether it was Honda or GM or Porsche or whatever, learning about these cars, this, that, and the other. And then we all kind of sat there before the race and we were like, none of that matters. Like, <laughs> we just spent 90% of our time preparing for 5% of what we're going to talk about. Yeah. But we were just, we're all racing nerds, yeah. right? So we just got deep in and we're like, okay, can't say that. Can't yeah. say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't say that. So like, the golden rule is, would my mom understand this? That's a good one. Right? Because yeah. my mom, you know, she's been around racing. So she knows maybe more than like someone that's never watched a race. Right. But she's not like the newest generation up on all this stuff. You know, she's not like a car person necessarily. And so I'm like, hey, if mom understands what I'm saying here, I'm probably Clear. reaching most of the audience. Yeah. 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 And uh, for someone that's an F1 fan trying to start getting into indie, what's that one thing you will tell them to convince them like you need to watch indie? You don't know who's going to win. I don't mean to be sound of a record, but like, you know, F1 is so fascinating in so many ways. Yeah. And it's the pinnacle of motorsports, the pinnacle of technology. It's all these things that they advertise it to be. Yeah. But what it's not is unpredictable or sometimes particularly exciting. Yeah. And that's someone who's, a, I can say that as a huge fan of the sport. IndyCar is just, it's different in that sense, right? You don't have that big disparity between teams. The, the gaps are so small. The racing is a little less predictable. You could argue it's less pure because we have more safety cars or close pits under yellow or whatever. It doesn't matter. The, the rules are made in a way to keep it fair and competitive, but also yep. entertaining. We're a sport. Yep. You know, we are entertainment. And so, uh, yeah, if, if, I, if you like F1, I just don't see how you can't. If you like actually <laughs> racing, racing? Yeah, yeah, not yeah, just yeah. drive to survive because yeah. that's different. If yeah. you like drama, yeah. all right, fine. Maybe yeah. 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 Drive not, yeah. You're not, not even you. watching F1 races. Yeah. So yeah. I, you're not, you're not yeah. who I'm talking to. Yeah. Yeah. But if you enjoy what you're seeing on track, you yeah. will love this just as much. It's probably going to be like the first weekend in Bahrain because everyone like you only got two days of testing. You don't know who's who's going to perform, who's not. Our Mercedes sandbag and have McLaren yeah. get more up their sleeve. So I do what you mean. I know what you mean by. And we also had like an engineer, an indie engineer, tell us like they may that their job is even more rewarding because they know that like if they actually put on a really good upgrade, it could actually take them from like a midfield team to the front for sure. Even if it's like a point two, point three huge benefit. Give me three tenths of a second. Yeah. In an yeah. Oh my god. Oh my we're, we're, god. We're flying. Yeah. You are the the highest paid engineer <laughs> in the car overnight. Okay, maybe not point two. But a couple, a couple, like yeah. you, you go to some of these ovals, right? The Indianapolis 500. The margins you're talking about at, at the yeah. Speedway are so small, man. We we make this joke, right? We so at the Speedway they normally do um, like the speed charts are, are on speed, not lap time, right? For the ovals they switch it over to average speed. And so you'll get to Indy and you'll unload and do the first practice session and you're a mile an hour off. You know, you're, you're running a 226 and this guy's running a 227 and you're sitting there on your timing stand kicking stuff and throwing things <laughs> being like, where are we going to find a mile an hour? Like it feels like the most insane, like just insurmountable gap, right? Mountain to climb. On a stopwatch, a mile an hour average around the speedway is like three hundredths of a second. Yeah, it's you nice. know, it's something. It's, it's a blink. And we're sitting here like, oh, our month's yeah, over. Yeah, Why are we yeah, even yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. It's just crazy how close yeah. and how fine it is. Yeah. And and what advice would you give an up and coming driver, whether it's Indy, F one, Formula Racing, and what the like specific uh, recommendation? It, it's honestly. It's, it sounds kind of cliche because it is, but it, cliches exist for a reason. It's because 
there's it's enough sad. people yeah. have come yeah. to the same conclusion. <laughs> yeah. It's it's hard work. It's persistence. It's hard work. It's no different than any other sport, right? Um, in the sense of the work ethic you have to have to push yourself to always be improving physically, mentally, from any skill set point of view. You've got to be 100% committed to this particular job. The challenge in racing is the opportunities are so few, mm. right? Mm -hmm. There are only X number of seats. You know, compared to you know, basketball, I was but. 800, 1,000 guys yep. in the league, whatever. There's 27 here. Mm -hmm. There's 20 in F1. Like, we are all fighting over. So there are times when your circumstances just aren't in your favor, but it's the ones that don't give up that eventually that's going to come back. I didn't debut in IndyCar until I was 24. Mm -hmm. At the time, that wasn't, like, that old, but it wasn't on the younger side. Yep. Nowadays, there's, like, six guys that are 21 or under, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, it's insane. Getting younger and younger. It's just getting younger and younger. So, the, But then I look at a guy like Nick DeVries in F1. He's making mm -hmm. his debut at 28. 28. Yep. Look at uh, Canapino here. He's making his debut at 32, mm -hmm. right? So you just you cannot give up. The opportunities aren't always there when they should be or when you want them to be, but the ones that just stay at it, stay persistent, don't give up and don't think, oh, my, my time's passed, eventually that door will open. Do you ever get the itch to get behind the steering wheel again? Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to see that? Well, I don't know. We'll see. Yes. Oh, come on. Come on. Tell us. Tell I, I, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not done. I'll put okay. it that way. I'm not done done, but we'll see. Yeah. I know. Can you yeah. imagine? It's like two races yeah. goes by, and he's like, "I'm back." James in. is back. <laughs> <laughs> Final question: Tell us a bit about who you are outside of work, outside of racing. You know, who is James Hinchcliffe? Like, what do you like to do? Do you go back to Toronto often? Like, tell us a bit about your personal. Yeah, so I'm a I'm a simple guy, man. I um, I'm a lighthearted person. I always try to bring that energy to the racetrack too. I, I had a lot of friends that I raced with that were such different people at the track and away from the track, which I get. That's you know, some people have to be in a certain mindset, whatever. I was always a better driver when I felt just good and free and loose. So I, I'm a goof. I'm a, I'm a goof at the track. I'm a goof at home. My wife will tell you. Um, my wife and I love to travel. I mean, now that I don't have the responsibilities of a driver, I have a lot more free time than I have for the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. So like last year was a lot of fun. We did a lot of things that I'd never get to do in, in a summer or, you know, during season, things like that. We love our dogs. We walk our dogs a lot. Uh, you know, my wife's an actress. We love going to movies, watching movies. Um, yeah, so travel, movies, dogs, being outside. We go we go to Toronto as much as we can. You know, our family's in Oakville. Um, we've got a cottage up in Muskoka. We try oh, to get up so there cool. whenever we can, which is nowhere near enough. Because yeah. <laughs> as you know, like peak time in Muskoka, also peak time to be yeah, working yeah, somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, one yeah, thing yeah, I really yeah. haven't been able to add too no. much more to. Yeah. Because yeah. it's still just a whole process to get up there, and I'm gone every weekend in the summer. But uh, yeah, man, just we're just simple people that love you know love living life because. My life was so solely focused on one thing for so long. Now I'm I've got these opportunities to try these things and do more, and so I, we're just really embracing it. Fantastic. Well, Amazing. what are we gonna rank that, guys? Come on. That was good. That was, that good. was good. Yeah, yeah that was good. <laughs> I, I like that. I think we can go Gerpel. You know, Gerpel. Gerpel. Yeah. It's a half. Right. You know, that's fair. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. There's still okay. potential for pole here. Oh yeah. Hey. Q3 is coming Q3. up. Rapid fire round. Right. We're gonna see if Gavin can get a. Uh, sorry, not Gavin. Oh my oh, God. Oh no. The James. My bad. The other Canadians. We'll see if Hitch can get a purple here. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to the Track Limits Podcast. We are here with the Hinch himself, and we're going to get into the rapid fire round now. James, are you nervous? Very. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't like this. Have you done rapid fires before? Yeah, yeah. certainly, but I mean, this one seems more serious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now it's two, three, <laughs> poles on the line. Game game game. Game. Yeah, come on. He's got to oh. bring the A zone in. I'm glad you recognize this moment yeah. and how yeah. important it is. Perfect. First question, if you had to choose one platform to post on forever, which one would it be? Uh, Instagram. Which one out of the bigger platforms would you delete? Facebook. Yes or no? Have you Googled yourself? <laughs> and how often? <laughs> yes, at some point. Not not for a very long time. Okay. Not for a very long time. Okay. What car do you drive daily on the road? Uh, a Honda Pilot. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm about to show you a photo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> for audio listeners. This could this be is, so many things. Yeah, so this yeah. is a photo of you with Dancing with the Stars. Yep. What was happening there? <laughs> well, that was me being the Joker okay. and my partner being Harley Quinn for the Halloween dance. Oh, man. Which I'm happy to report we got perfect tens on. Woo! So well, it was go. worth putting on the makeup. Oh. I love it. I love How long it. did that take? A long time. <laughs> Getting it off actually yeah. was, was longer. That, oh that, they used like industrial strength stuff on that show, oh, right? Because they don't want you like sweating yeah. it off yeah, yeah, from yeah. TV. It took a while to get that. Wow. Uh, one track to race on forever. Road America. Racing in the wet or racing in the dry? Which race, condition do you prefer? Racing in the dry. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. What's the most over-asked question that you get? 
<laughs> Does it hurt when you crash? Oh. Okay. And you're like, I can't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. No, it tickles. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Feels great, guys. It's a bruise. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> funniest moment while you're presenting? While we're presenting? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> uh, last year at, I want to say it was Barber, it was raining, and Townsend decided to he wanted to come up with some sort of analogy to make make people at home understand, understand. the difference between driving and the, and the grip level. Yeah. And he did it using one of those granola bars that was covered in chocolate on the bottom. Oh, oh but strawberry or whatever on the top? Well, no, it was, it was like granola on the top yeah. and then cho- chocolate. So it was like, yeah, like yeah. grainy oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. aggregate on one side but then smooth <laughs> on the other. And he, and he started pouring water on it. Oh, God. And, and Diff was having to touch it. And oh, it was what? it was very, I mean, I think some people got it. Yeah. Some people didn't. But it was it was unique. You guys did prep funny. this, right? Was this impromptu? He mentioned that he had a granola bar <laughs> and that he wa- he had something he wanted to do, but we weren't fully aware of where he was going with it. But hey, I think it, I, Twitter liked it. So okay, there you go. Imagine okay. just chewing it in, being like, "Is this a granola bar?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's probably like soaked. Then he t- when he was done, he took a bite of it. Oh, like, yeah, back yeah. to you, Lee. <laughs> it, was, it was hard not to laugh on that one. Oh Mason, what celebrity would be a good fit for Formula One as a driver? As a driver? Yeah, none of them. Any, none of them. No. Um. There's not like a super great correlation between actors becoming drivers. Mm. Uh, the late great Paul Newman was probably the best example. Mm. Many have tried. Um, I don't know who who seems like, or to even play as a driver. Who do you think would be a great actor to play if there was an F1 movie? Well, there is there's one there's coming, one coming yeah. up. Yeah. They're, they're casting it right now. <laughs> oh, driver alongside go. Brad Pitt. I wonder who Lewis is thinking about. Yeah. Um, man, that's a great question. So it would uh no, he's too old. Back in the day I would have said Ed Norton like Ed Norton fifteen years ago, mm. I would have said Ed Norton. Today well that's a tough one, man. I'm, we get Tom people Cruise, like Tom Cruise. Yeah, Tom Cruise is a big one. He's also no, he's a, too, an he's too old. Yeah. yeah. Um I'm, I, the thing is, I'm gonna walk out. I, I, I already told you as a movie guy, I'm gonna walk yeah, out of yeah, here and like. The problem is, my mind's defaulting to people I know drive, right? Yeah, so yeah, Nicholas yeah. Holt yeah. and like Fassbender and guys like mm-hmm. that. But yeah, Fassbender. Yeah, Fassbender yeah. actually would be a great one. Yeah, yeah. he could be good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there you go. Doing. We'll take that. If you had one superpower, what would it be? Probably flying. Yeah. Hey, travels. Like yeah, travels travels quick and easy, and I love the freedom. I think it'd be yeah. fun. Cool. Yeah. Uh, what piece of racing memorabilia would you like to own or currently own? Well, yeah. yeah so I, I mean, so Greg Moore was my hero, and I've got a bunch of Greg stuff, and I have a Greg helmet, which is like my pride and joy. It's like the 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 piece de resistance of my collection. Um, but if I were to if I were to have free reign over anything, uh, I would, you know, Greg had signed with Penske before he was killed in Fontana, and uh, he had two Penske helmets done up. Uh, to my knowledge, one of them is in the Penske Museum, and one of them is uh, in BC in the in the museum collection of Greg's there. I wouldn't want either of those guys. Yeah. But if there was a yeah. third one floating yeah. around, it'd be really cool to have one of those. Yeah, we can so, steal it. Those people deserve them, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. something like that okay. would be something. Something Greg related would be cool. Something else. I got most things. Who's the greatest driver of all time, in your opinion? <sighs> Like of anything, like ever? Yeah, any circuit, any series. Uh, Mario, I think. Mario. <laughs> I think. I think Mario. If you really break it down, Mario Andretti has to be the goat yeah, because yeah. Yeah. what he raced, the era he raced, how many different things he raced, yeah. won it yeah. at all. Yeah. And the guy is still wheeling a yeah. two-seater Indy car at ten tenths with passengers in the back, eight to ten weekends a year. Yep. Like. Guys, un- he's unstoppable. I'd say Mario. Just based on your previous answers, I actually thought initially you were saying Same. Super Mario. That's why we, yeah. we, that's that's why why we were like, wait, what? Because I'm like, any circuit, any circuit, yeah. yeah. Mario. I could tell when you folded <laughs> over, I was like, he's no, got this no, 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 no. And I was like, oh, Mario so Andretti. That and makes I was like, sense. everybody like, knows you go with Yoshi <laughs> in Mario Kart. That's insane. <laughs> oh, my God. What's the most embarrassing moment you had at a Grand Prix weekend? So, I mean... It was kind of in, well, yeah, I guess, yeah, this counts. So yeah. I had to, I peed myself in the car once, okay. right? It was the one time I did it in my entire career, yeah. but it was sort of, it shouldn't have happened. We, it was, we were driving, it was raining. Yeah. We were, we were red flagged. I had to go so bad. They wouldn't let me get out of the car. Like, no, we're going to start going again. Oh, I'm like, no, you're not. It's raining harder than when you red flagged it. Let me out of the car. They're like, no, can't get out of the car. If you get out of the car, you're out of the race. So I had to sit there. Then they're like, all right, fire the cars up. We're going. And I was, 
I'm like, no, there's, this is okay. Fine. Yeah. So start driving and I'm holding it. I'm in agony, oh, in agony. And I was like, I was always driving along in the wet behind the safety car <laughs> and like my foot shaking. Cause I'm in like, I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the bladder and I like you know, blip the throttle and nearly spun the thing out. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, I'm going to crash. I'm yeah. going to crash. Cause I have to pee. He's like, I got to do it. I just have to do it. And so under caution for like, it took me a full lap. It's the hardest thing to do. <laughs> yeah. It's like oh, the mental God. barrier you have to break yeah. to do that. Yeah. So I, I'm like, all right, got it out. Now we're ready to go racing. And yeah. then they come on the radio. All right, we're going to red flag. You guys can hop out of the cars. Oh, and I'm like, God. God. <laughs> <laughs> but so it was on the radio, this whole exchange back and forth. So I get out of the car. Kevin Lee, my now colleague in NBC, is like, so I heard an interesting radio transmission. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. You're talking to a guy that just wet himself. But uh, I let to go change my suit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, upcoming predictions for Indy. And then give me your uh, take on F1. We talked about it. You can't predict yeah. Indy. I yeah. just don't know how to do it, honestly. there I, I never would have thought in 22, last year's champion, Alex Blow, would have been six in the championship and one win on the card. I got, you just don't know. Joseph's always a good bet. Scott's always a good bet. Um, Alex would come back. I mean, Marcus had a breakthrough year last yep. year. Scott McLaughlin, if he continues his trajectory, he's going to be like negative one in the championship. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's going to be so good. Yeah. You just, you just don't know. Do uh, it's, it's honestly, it's way too hard. I couldn't even tell you a team. It's, that's what's so fun. Like, literally every that's weekend, crazy, like, yeah. all right, how do we do it? Um, yeah. F1, Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes. So yeah. that's, that's the that difference. Was quick. Yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. at home, that's yeah. the difference. Yeah. It was a really funny graphic that was put out from the F1 TV people. And after testing in Bahrain, everyone's like, all right, give your prediction of where you think the, 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 the mm. car speeds are through all 10. And I think the first four for all like six presenters was the, the same. same. Yeah. Wow. It was Red Bull, yep. Ferrari, Mercedes, Alpine. It was, it was the medium pack that they tried to Yeah, adjust. it was a little bit, yeah. but like, you know, McLaren was ninth or 10th on everybody's and like, I mean, maybe alpha was one up or down from alpha tower or something, but yeah, the top four were the same for everybody. And you know what? They're probably right. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Last question. You're writing an autobiography on your life. Okay. And you have to pick one of these titles that best resonates with you. Oh, okay. You're going to give me one. Yeah. The dream catcher as yeah. a title. Okay. Hardest worker. Okay. Free spirit. Okay. Or the daredevil. Or Hinchtown. Or the mayor, you know. <laughs> That's tough, man. I feel like at different points in my career, I've, I've been all of those things. Um, I, I'd, I'd go with hardest worker, honestly. Uh, that is that is what, you know, I think got me to where I was. I had like a lot of ups and downs, a lot of times where I thought I was done, but we just didn't give up and, and it sort of worked out. So I'll, I'll go with that one. Fantastic. Final question we ask every guest. You know, at the very beginning, you summarized your career in about 30 seconds. How do you want to be remembered in 30 seconds? What sort of legacy do you want to leave behind? You know, it's funny. So a lot of a lot of people ask, like, what are your career goals, right? And I always really stayed away very intentionally from any sort of quantitative goals because, as we talked about earlier, so much is out of your control, right? Mistakes can be made that aren't yours or circumstances that aren't yours. So my whole thing was always, I just want to leave this sport with the respect of the people that I respect in it. Mm -hmm. And so whether that's as a driver, as a, as a commentator, as an ambassador for IndyCar, for motorsports in general, if I can check those boxes in each of the, that box in each of those categories, that's, that's good enough for me, man. Purple? That is a purple. purple. Yeah. Perfect. That purple. is a straight purple. <laughs> Just that, that, whole, that answer yeah. was yeah. a purple. That, that was good. good. There you go. Good. We're, in the, we're in the hunt. And on pull for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Hinch. Really appreciate it. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave a review. Go and check our other episodes out on tracklimitspod.com. Give us a follow on social media. Give James a follow too. Where can people find you? At Hinchtown. There, there you go. go. Yeah, it doesn't matter where you're looking. Yep. Give him a follow. Super exciting yep. person. And we'll see you guys in the next episode.